the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are here to give you strength between Sundays. Let's not talk about glory. Let's talk about suffering. It's the cross, then the crown. It's humiliation, then the exaltation. Guys, are you up for that? In God's goodness, they were up for it. We are here for you. Faith Talk AM 570. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Do you like winning prizes? How about getting sneak peek opportunities and offers before anyone else? Join the Faith Talk fan club today at letstalkfaith.com and gain access to incredible contest opportunities, free movie preview events, discounts, and more. If you're passionate about Faith Talk and want to be rewarded just for being a part of the Faith Talk community, sign up for the Faith Talk fan club today. Join the Faith Talk fan club by clicking the fan club tab at letstalkfaith.com. Faith Talk 570, WTBN, online at letstalkfaith.com, a service of the Salem Media Group. And now, D-Day to end the war. Here is a special bulletin. Early this morning, the long-awaited British and American invasion began when paratroops landed in the area of the Somme estuary. The harbor of La Havre is being fiercely bombarded at the present moment. Naval forces of the German Navy are off the coast fighting with enemy vessels. Hello, I'm Jerry Stewart. Today is a day of solemn celebration. It was this day, 75 years ago in World War II, June the 6th, 1944, that the Allied forces began an attack on the German forces. It was the single largest seaborne invasion in the history of the world. It was a highly secret mission, so secret so uncertain that even the Allied Forces Commanding Officer General Dwight Eisenhower had no idea what the outcome would be, what toll would be taken in Allied casualties, if the plan would even work. Think about it. On that day, June the 6th, over 160,000 Allied troops landed on a 50-mile stretch of beach on the French coast known as Normandy Beach. There was truly so much uncertainty about this attack mission, the weather, the tides, the actual beach itself, what measures and physical guards and barriers had been set up there by the German forces, and truly no one knew what would happen. In fact, there was so much uncertainty as to what would happen that General Eisenhower, after the invasion had begun, he actually drafted two letters to be released. One letter if the invasion was successful, one if the invasion failed. But there was nothing else to be done. German forces had begun that war all the way back in September of 1939 with the invasion of Poland. And since that first attack, Adolf Hitler and his German war machine had conquered and was now in control of much of continental Europe. Now, almost five years after, the German forces were so entrenched that it seemed almost impossible to defeat them. 
So here we are today, 75 years later. We see the victory that came from that day. We count the cost. We study the facts and events. Think about it. 160,000 forces from the U.S., Canada, France, England. The largest seaborne invasion in the history of the world. Comprised of over 12,000 aircraft, almost 7,000 vessels, paratroopers, estimated at 13,000 dropping in the darkness of that very early morning behind enemy lines to surround the enemy, dropping into the night sky, an easy target for an enemy rifle, an estimated 2,200 British and U.S. bombers, and what else? A prayer, so much prayer, that with God's help, the German reign of terror and suffering would end. It has been said that for those who have never fought for it, freedom has a flavor the protected will never know. I believe that to be true. It would seem impossible for those of us who have never literally fought for our freedom to see freedom the same way as those who fought see it. But to do our best to know, to see, to have some small sense of what our veterans actually feel, I've spent the last 20 years talking to our veterans, asking them to tell their stories firsthand, what they saw, what they experienced, what they can tell us. It was almost four years ago after my wife Kelly and I returned from France that I reached out to the staff at the National D-Day Memorial in Bedford, Virginia. It's a special war memorial that serves as the National Memorial for American D-Day Veterans, And they were so very kind to not just talk to me, but to give me names of a few of those men who were there at D-Day and could give us the D-Day story firsthand. And today, this powerful story is being told by them. It is my hope and prayer that each of these men, these D-Day veterans, that each is in good health and that I will see them today as we celebrate this 75th D-Day anniversary. They are Navy veteran Robert Curl. His assignment was as a radar man. His job was to use the all-new radar equipment to direct each group of landing troops where to land on the beach. Hillman Prestridge, who was an Army Ranger who went onto the beach that day on that first wave. We will also be hearing the story of 101st Airborne Paratrooper Guy Whidden. He was a paratrooper in HQ Company 502 Parachute Infantry Regiment. His job at D-Day was to parachute into Normandy in the first wave while it was still dark. And finally, we are joined today by Navy veteran Charles Schaefe whose job on that fateful day, D-Day, was to ferry members of the 2nd Ranger Battalion to the beach. Once again, my deepest thanks to these men for allowing me to tell their unbelievable story of courage that D-Day, June the 6th, 1944. And now, the story of D-Day. By the time the United States entered World War II, December 8, 1941, by that time, Hitler and his German forces had conquered or controlled much of continental Europe. 
and an Axis alliance was formed by Germany and Italy and Japan. It was the most widespread war in all our world's history, which affected over 30 countries and more than 100 million people. The German forces were so entrenched with control of so much land, the Allies had to decide to decide on a plan for an all-out invasion to not only drive the German forces out and back into their own country, but to take Germany itself. But how could it be done? Where would it take place? When would it happen? A plan must be made. So in November 1943, there was a meeting between the three leaders, Franklin Roosevelt, our U.S. president, and the two leaders of Britain and Russia. The Russian leader, Joseph Stalin, had been calling for an all-out Western Europe attack of the Germans since early 1942. And finally, the meeting to talk was here. The decision was not an easy one. British Prime Minister Winston Churchill was very concerned. A hundred-mile crossing of the English Channel to hit the beaches of France? The Brits had tried a similar strategy with their seaborne attack of one French port in 1942, and the results were disastrous. He wanted to find another way. But he was overruled by Roosevelt and Stalin, and the first date of an attack was set, May 1944. And even though the plan of attack was kept top secret, the Germans came to suspect a massive attack by sea. So they built a giant wall, the Atlantic Wall, made of cement with tall walls and machine gun pillboxes all along. They also planted one million mines, laid miles upon miles of barbed wire, and installed thousands of underwater obstacles to tear the bottom of the landing crafts apart. But the Allied forces waited. They did not go in May when the tides were best and the weather was mild. Instead, they waited until June, which would bring heavy clouds and high and rough seas. They must keep the German forces off guard. But doing it this way made the invasion so even much more dangerous. Not only would those attacking face machine guns and artillery and mines, they would also face the dangerous seas. No one really knew what would happen. The forces might arrive too sick to fight, or even worse, with boats capsized at the bottom of the channel. Secretly, in his heart, Supreme Commander General Eisenhower knew that he could be sending tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of brave young men to their death. Once the order was given to go, all he could do was watch and pray. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'm taking a break now, but when we return, the veterans, the men who were there, give us the story of June the 6th, 1944, D-Day. We'll return with more of this special Veterans Day tribute program after these messages. I hit the ground hard. I remember a white chute coming toward me with a bundle. It had to have struck me because I, I woke up on the ground and I was dizzy and I wasn't thinking clearly. And I heard a challenge in the dark. It was a no-no to go over the side, but if you went down the ramp, that machine gun was cut, and a lot of soldiers went over the side. Well, it was uh, a real...
Beach was pretty well covered. They were shooting 88 shells at us, and we were hitting on either side, and we would just move a little bit for the right or left. The machine gun bullets would splash in the water there. They called it the longest day. I couldn't tell you really got off the beach whether it was the first day or the second day. Hello, Jerry Stewart here. Kelly and I are here in Virginia at the 75th anniversary of D-Day. It's a sight I wish you all could see. And the stories go on and on. But our D-Day vets still here with us. Well, the number is dwindling. And that's why I've produced this D-Day 75th anniversary CD. It's the telling of the story of D-Day by those who were there that day. If you'd like your own copy, please call now, 817-576-2976, and place your order. Call now, and you'll receive two complete CDs of the program for just nineteen ninety-five plus $5 shipping and handling, a total of just twenty-four ninety-five. That number again is 817-576-2976, or order online at jerrystewartusa.com. Let's keep the stories going, and God bless our veterans. When you call Cornerstone Pros to service your AC, plumbing, electrical, or generator, rest assured that with Cornerstone, trust is a must. You wouldn't allow just anyone in your home, and Cornerstone Pros doesn't let just anyone join their team. Cornerstone Pros employs only the best technicians. Each one has been background checked, drug tested, and professionally trained to certify their skills before they ever step foot in your home. Learn more at cornerstonepros.com. That's cornerstonepros.com. You're a do-it-yourselfer. You fix things around the house, take care of the yard, wash your car, and on top of it all, run your own business. But wow, when it comes to digital marketing and advertising, things aren't so do-it-yourself. You need results and just aren't getting them on your own. Salem Surround will get you results. We know digital marketing and how to deliver customers so you can run your business. Using every digital marketing tool possible is a necessity to compete in today's business world. But you have to know about all the options. Our team at Salem Surround has the expertise to manage all your digital marketing under one roof. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and most importantly, Revenue. There really are no limitations on how and where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more at surroundtampa.com. Surroundtampa.com. Connecting you with new customers. Hi, I'm Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I want to invite you to tune into Unfiltered Radio. Whether you're a skeptic, maybe you've been hurt by the church, or you are a Jesus follower, we want to help you in your journey of faith or investigating faith. On Unfiltered, we're honest. We try to speak at street level about what it means to follow Jesus and his teaching. And what you'll discover may lead you to give Jesus another look. Listen to Unfiltered Radio with Bryant Golden. Weeknights at 6.30 on Faith Talk 570, 910, and FM 102.1. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you, about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. 
It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Hello and welcome back to this special D-Day presentation. I'm Jerry Stewart. Today on this program, I'm telling the amazing story of the invasion, the attack on Normandy Beach, June the 6th, 1944, which came to be known as the D-Day invasion. It was the largest seaborne invasion ever, with over 1.3 million Allied forces involved in that complete campaign. And sadly, around 120,000 casualties by the time it had ended. Later, after that attack, Supreme Allied Commander General Dwight Eisenhower said that it was perhaps the most difficult order that he had ever had to give, because even with all the planning, no one really knew what the outcome would be. First, there was the crossing of the English Channel with waves reported as high as 20 feet high. And some of the crossing in very small crafts holding only about 30 men. Then there was the enemy. There were four German divisions guarding that part of the Normandy beach to be hit. And German leader Adolf Hitler had directed that a huge Atlantic wall be built. A wall built of concrete and wood and steel. On top of the wall were colossal guns and cannons and mortars, machine gun pillboxes, with thousands of German forces well fortified to destroy the advancing Allied forces. No one knew just what would be the result. But General Eisenhower could not wait. He could not think about the lives to be lost. This was the moment. This was the time. The attack had to be now. And our veterans, our D-Day survivors, are with us today to make the telling of this story possible. The Allied leaders had determined that there was only a small window of time that the invasion could actually work. They needed a full moon for illumination. The paratroopers who were jumping at the dead of night needed to see where they were landing. They needed just the right tide to make it possible for the troops and tanks and supplies to actually make it to the beach. If the tide was too shallow, the run up the beach would be too far. If the tide was too deep, those there could drown. It was all very dangerous. The original date for the invasion was set for June the 5th. But on the 4th of June, the weather conditions became so bad, the seas were so high with the waves crashing, it made it impossible for the smaller landing crafts to be lowered into the sea. There were low clouds, poor visibility. What would they do? So Eisenhower gave the word, a one-day delay. The new date would be June the 6th. This had to be, no matter what, their D-Day. And on the night of June the 5th, General Eisenhower gave the word, Okay, we'll go. The paratroopers would go first in the dark of the night so that hopefully they would not be shot before they even hit the ground. Veteran paratrooper Guy Widden was there. He was a paratrooper with the HQ Company, 502nd Parachute Infantry Regiment, 101st Airborne Division. 
His division, along with the 82nd Airborne Divisions and the British 6th Division, was to jump behind the Germans, behind the wall, into enemy territory. And one of their missions was to liberate the nearby town of St. Marie Aglise. But just how would they do it? And how dangerous was it, jumping right into the lap of the enemy? Secretly, Allied Supreme Leader General Eisenhower was very concerned for these men and their job, and he did everything he could to encourage them. Well, we started to suit up uh, probably about noon. About that time, Eisenhower showed up, talked to some of our guys. Guy and the others there were both surprised and impressed that General Eisenhower himself, the Supreme Allied leader, was there with them. The guys seemed to enjoy talking to him. and I know he was feeling a lot of sorrow. They say there were tears in his eyes because I think that he was thinking at one point, lose about 75%. But the time was now to save our nation, to save our world from the hold that Hitler and his forces had on so many. It must be done now. Somewhere around 4 in the afternoon, we marched to the area where the planes were, C-47s. They're all lined up. They only had about 10, 12 to a plane. The wait was long and nerve-wracking. What was going to happen? What would become of them jumping right into the German forces? Who would live? Who would die? There were letters and notes written to loved ones, much prayer. And then... It came. But we didn't get aboard until about 9 o'clock, but we were going just above the water. They had to fly in low to avoid German radar. It was a long flight. The planes flew very slowly, packed with men and their gear, packed with supplies. I asked Guy what that flight was like. A lot of the guys took Dramamine to prevent air sickness. Some of them would start to doze off with it which was helpful for many of them. They'd be asleep the whole time across. Others were urinating, sick at their stomachs, even with the Dramamine. They were vomiting. They were, they were going to the toilet in their pants. Uh, it was sickening. And I was awake the whole time because I didn't take Dramamine. I didn't, there was no talking, so I was absorbed with my own thoughts. Then the plane began to climb. Guy and the others knew what that meant. It was time to go. First the climb, then the roller coaster ride back down. Then came the jump. They had to jump from an amazingly low 300 feet. That's really not enough time. But if they didn't jump from that low, they would be shot by German sharpshooters before they even hit the ground. They all jumped. Guy was in the back, the last to go. He did get out of the plane, but then something bad happened. I hit the ground hard. I remember a white chute coming toward me with a bundle, with a white bundle. It had to have struck me because I, I woke up on the ground and I was dizzy and I wasn't thinking clearly. And I heard a challenge in the dark. I'm looking for my cricket and I can't find it. Then if you couldn't find your cricket, you could get the verbal response. Well, I couldn't remember the verbal response. I was so confused. So I started to yell because I knew I might get shot right away by the guy in the dark. I'm Guy Whitten. I went to Cheltenham High School. I was, I was a wrestler, and I this and that, and I had a red-headed girlfriend. 
Guy was not shot, but the fellow paratrooper who approached him, a member of the 82nd Airborne, told him how very close he had come to dying. So, the two of them teamed together to make their way to their intended destination, the town of St. Mariglis. I'm taking a break now, but when we return, we will find out what happened to the paratroopers and then what happened when the Allied forces hit that Normandy beach. We'll be back with more of this special D-Day presentation after these messages. Hello, I'm Kelly Stewart. If you're like me, you're concerned that we're losing the great stories of our America, of how we came to be the greatest nation in the world. It was no accident, and the true stories of God and country going all the way back to our nation's beginning show us so clearly of God's great part in leading brave Americans who hear his call. And that's what we're doing, traveling the nation, searching out the stories, getting the stories, and passing them on to you. Are you willing to help us keep this going? Please go now to jerrystewartusa.com to make a donation to our nonprofit organization, Saving the Nation. And while you are there, read more about our ministry. You can donate online at jerrystewartusa.com or you can call our office at 817-576-2976. Will you help us keep these stories of God and country going for our children, for our America? God bless you. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump and the First Lady attending somber D-Day services in Normandy today. The president said the World War II veterans are, quote, among the very greatest Americans who will ever live. After the Washington State Supreme Court unanimously ruled against her for a second time, a florist will ask for a new Supreme Court hearing on a case saying that Baronel Stutzman broke the state's anti-discrimination laws by refusing on religious grounds to provide flowers for the wedding of a same-sex couple. West Point officials say one cadet was killed. 22 people were injured after a vehicle they were riding in for summer training overturned early Thursday. The University of Alabama appears poised to give back $21.5 million donated by a philanthropist. He had called on students to boycott the school over the state's new abortion law. This is SRN News. Catch your second wind with encouragement from Scripture. Weekdays at 2 p.m. It's Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. In the Christian life, to know the Lord is there to help us onto our feet when we get knocked on. And at 2.30, verse by verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. A false prophet is in the local church. Their ministry is to draw people away from Christ by twisting the Scriptures. Faith Talk, AM 570, AM 910, and FM 102.1. What if I told you that you could start relieving your joint discomfort in just a few days? You'd have every right to be skeptical, especially if you've been disappointed by joint supplements in the past that failed to give you the relief you need. So we're going to prove it to you by sending you a complimentary two-week sample of fast-acting Instaflex, the number one selling joint supplement at GNC. Instaflex is number one at GNC because it can start relieving your joint discomfort in just a few days. And right now, we're offering adults a complimentary two-week sample as part of a nationwide giveaway. Call and claim your sample today. 1-800-608-9926. Fast-acting Instaflex is great for your knees, hands, even your hips, and it starts relieving your discomfort in just a few days. Instaflex is available 
at GNC, Rite Aid Pharmacies, and Vitamin World. But you can only get your complimentary two-week sample by calling 1-800-608-9926. Call now for your two-week Instaflex sample. 1-800-608-9926. 1-800-608-9926. This is a special alert for Americans who owe more than $10,000 in back taxes. Get ready for a toll-free hotline number. Call and get free information on how to take advantage of new initiatives that could significantly reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. Call Stop IRS Debt today at 800-893-8907. Learn how you can stop collection calls, IRS letters, bank levies, and wage garnishments all by using a proven A-plus BBB-rated tax system that negotiates with the IRS for you. If you haven't filed returns in years or you're already in a payment plan, you can still get tax relief. The government is ready to work out a generous program that can resolve your tax debt quickly. Be warned, this situation won't last forever and your tax debt will only get worse if you don't act now. Do not try to handle it yourself. Call Stop IRS Debt now for free information. 800-893-8907. That's 800-893-8907. 800-893-8907. Sunday mornings at 7.30. Don't miss the crucified message with Dr. Tony Young Jr. Let me remind you, that's the way you and I have acted toward God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But not only that, he gives us life. He gives us health, strength, food, shelter, and clothing. The Crucified Message with Dr. Tony Young Jr. Sunday mornings at 730 on Faith Talk AM 570 and online at letstalkfaith.com. And now we return to D-Day to end the war. Hello and welcome back to this special D-Day presentation. I'm Jerry Stewart. Today we're hearing the story of that fateful day, June the 6th, 1944, that great battle at Normandy Beach in France, that battle that came to be known as the D-Day Invasion. It was 2015 when I was fortunate enough to connect with four D-Day veterans who were there, and they each told me their story. They are Guy Whidden, Robert Curl, Charles Schaaf, and Hillman Prestridge. My thanks to each of these men for their great part in this telling. Without them, the story could not be told. Just before our break, paratrooper Guy Whidden was talking to us about his jump behind enemy lines, about being struck by a large parachuting crate of supplies, and then almost dying at the hands of another Allied soldier who thought in the dark that he was the enemy. Guy told us that the paratroopers were all spread out. There was much danger and confusion, but he knew his mission, get to the town of St. Mare Aglise. So he and his fellow paratrooper from the 82nd Airborne joined up and set out together. But what they saw was not good. And we headed towards St. Mary Glees. You could tell by it. There was a fire going inside St. Mary Glees. One big building had been gutted. It was like one great big immense fire. Then you'd see planes crashing, which would light up the air. I could see these guys coming down, uh, 82nd, being sucked into the fire. And that was a horrible thing. I always remember that to this day. And later on, about 4 in the morning, when the um, gliders came in, they, they were crash landing and everything, and I was nearby to where they were crash landing. I saw one area where they were all dead all over the ground. I, they, they took an awful beating. 
But while the paratroopers and gliders were doing their job as best they could to complete their mission, the larger force of Allied troops were already on their way to hit the beaches of Normandy with over 150,000 troops. But amazingly, some never even made it. At around 5 a.m., four German torpedo boats discovered the task force, and they launched 15 torpedoes. The Germans taken their torpedo boats and sunk two of the ships out there. So before the troops even hit the beaches, it was already becoming a matter of life or death. The American troops crossing were mostly on crafts known as LSTs. But because of the rough waters that day, getting from the larger transports to the smaller landing crafts was very dangerous. We had nets that we went over the side, go down to uh, meet it. If the waves were large enough, you all you had to do was jump in it. So imagine, as each of the amphibious troops is loading his own landing craft, there were five different beaches to hit there at Normandy. Navy vet Charles Schaaf was part of the Omaha Beach attack. His job was as a crew member of the smaller crafts known as LCVPs. These LCVPs could carry about 30 men each. It took us about three to three and a half hours to make the trip into the beach. Couldn't make too much speed. The water was kind of rough. Army veteran Hillman Prestridge was also there at Omaha Beach. He was set to hit the beach in that first wave. We had a 60-pound pack, M1 Grand Rifle, and a belt of round-our-waist grenades. Our other Navy veteran, Robert Curl, had a very important task to see that each boat, each man, landed where they were supposed to land. Remember, we said earlier that this stretch of Normandy Beach, this invasion area, was 50 miles long, and the transport ships were traveling in the dark most all the way in. How could they know where to land? And that's where Robert and his crew came in. Long before D-Day, Robert had been chosen to be trained in an all-new, top-secret project that involved radar. After Robert's radar training, he was introduced to an all-new boat called an LCC, a land craft control boat. It was a small boat that looked like a PT boat, but it wouldn't go as fast. And there, at the Normandy invasion, this LCC had a very important job to do. To superimpose the map over the image of the radar, with that I could find Omaha Beach. So now the stage had been set. All the players were there. But this was no game. It was life or death. And many, so very many, would not live through that day. I asked the men as they took that long ride into the beach just what was on their mind and their heart. We was told that we uh, might not never see us again. And they told us, in all probability, you're going to be killed. In fact, I wrote a letter to my mother. I said, I wish I had been a better son, because I thought that was going to be the end of me. An 18-year-old kid that didn't look for what was happening. We had a job to do, and we kept at it. I'm Jerry Stewart. When we return, the all-out attack on the beach. 
Hello, Jerry Stewart here. Kelly and I are here in Virginia at the 75th anniversary of D-Day. It's a sight I wish you all could see. And the stories go on and on. But our D-Day vets still here with us. Well, the number is dwindling. And that's why I've produced this D-Day 75th anniversary CD. It's the telling of the story of D-Day by those who were there that day. If you'd like your own copy, please call now, 817-576-2976, and place your order. Call now, and you'll receive two complete CDs of the program for just $19.95 plus $5 shipping and handling, a total of just $24.95. That number again is 817-576-2976, or order online at jerrystewartusa.com. Let's keep the stories going, and God bless our veterans. The Cal Thomas Commentary is brought to you by Values Through Media. Now here's syndicated columnist Cal Thomas. Seventy-five years ago today, my Uncle Everett Thomas led a group of scared but brave men to a landing on Omaha Beach next to the more famous beach named Normandy. He survived. Thousands of others did not. It was the greatest amphibious assault in history, but it wasn't easy. In addition to German firepower, the weather was bad, and General Dwight Eisenhower had to make a decision that had already been delayed. Ike wrote a letter in case Operation Overlord failed, in which he would take full responsibility for its failure. How many would do that today? On this important anniversary, there are few left who survived that day. Cemeteries in France, including the best known in Normandy, are adorned with white crosses and a few stars of David. There are no R's or D's on those grave markers. Those young men weren't fighting for or against an American political party. They fought against evil, restoring freedom to Europe and preserving it for America. They are, among all others, to be honored this day and every day. They remain, as Tom Brokaw called them, the greatest generation. I'm Cal Thomas. For a free copy of today's commentary, visit calthomas.com or write us at Values Through Media, P.O. Box 373340, Key Largo, Florida, 33037. That's P.O. Box 373340, Key Largo, Florida, 33037. Please specify the date and subject. Your tax-deductible gifts to Values Through Media help support us. Listen again next time for the Cal Thomas Commentary. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976 to talk to a certified counselor. They met with me, and they were able to get all of my credit cards in one lower payment. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. They did help me learn how to manage my money. Now, you know, we have a house and we're doing a lot better. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. My name is Holly and I am debt free for keeps. 1-800-990-6976. Hello and welcome back. I'm Jerry Stewart. It was early morning, June the 6th, 1944, and all the players were there. But this was no game. Here at the beach in France that most Americans had never even heard of, this day, this fateful day for our nation, this fateful day for our world, was about to be decided. 
Was Hitler's Germany going to continue in its oppression, or would the tide turn today? And our veterans with us today were there on that fateful day, D-Day. Under the cover of darkness, the Allied forces had moved toward their assigned landings. The landing crafts moved slowly through the water, edging oh so slowly. The plan and design was fairly simple. The boats moved toward the beach. Then, when the command is given, the front ramp of the boat is lowered, and the men jump into the water to run for the shore, to run for their lives. But would the Germans be there? Soon they would all know. And then it happened. The boats hit the soft sand. The ramp was lowered. And the men began running out the front, off the ramp, in clear view of the enemy. And just as suspected, oh yes, the Germans were there. With their machine guns, the Germans were waiting. And as the men stepped off, the machine guns began to rip them apart. Hillman Prestridge and the other men in his boat could see what was happening. Go out the front of the boat and you're sure to be cut down. I asked him what he did. It was a no-no to go over the side, but if you went down the ramp, that machine gun was cut. So you pissed away and a lot of soldiers went over the side. I asked him what he did. Over the side. But there was a problem too. Go over the side, which is deeper out into the water, and the water might be too deep. Some of the landing boats chose to stop a little short of the beach, not to make the men such easy targets. But that wasn't working either. The ones that was cut out so deep in the water, they was trying to swim with maybe 80 pounds on their back. Did some actually drown? A lot of them did. Charles Schaaf, one of the boat crew members, was working to get his men as close as possible before unloading. The LCVP was fairly armored, and uh, we took some hits but didn't do any damage. Meanwhile, Robert Curl and his radar boat was out in the water lining up the beach with his radar image, directing the different landing crafts just where to go in. But the Germans knew that his boat was doing something very important, so they lowered their big 88s on him. They were shooting 88 shells at us, and we were hitting on either side, and we would just move a little bit to the right or left, and the machine gun bullets would splash in the water there. That 88 kept firing, blowing men and ships out of the water, and then something happened. And I looked to my left over there, and I saw a destroyer backing in. And I told somebody, I said, look there. I said, they're getting in as close as we are. They're going to run and ground. Well, that destroyer destroyed that gun emplacement up there that was dealing us a bit. Once Hillman's boat hit the beach and all the men ran out, they ran for cover. The Germans had put barbed wire all along to keep the men from getting through. The guns were firing, and there was something else. Mines, hundreds of thousands of mines planted under the sand. 
It was everything he could do just to keep alive. It was a machine gun nest up to our right where we landed. Their machine gun nest could fire two bullets to our one. There was plenty of field boxes with 88s and a machine gun. The Lord had to be there with us or they never made it. The Allied ships firing onto the shore could see what was happening. The men were pinned down. The German guns were ripping them apart. They knew that it was very dangerous, but they had to do it anyway. They started firing over us, but they couldn't fire as close to us as they wanted to because they were afraid they'd get us. Meanwhile, all the men could not hit the beach at once. There were not enough landing crafts, so Charles Schaefe and his crew would drop off a load of soldiers, then turn and go back. We left them there, and then we made two more trips carrying personnel to Omaha Beach. They just kept going back and forth, transporting the troops. All was going well until that third trip. The third trip in, we hit one of the hedgehogs on the beach, and we were damaged quite a bit. There they were, stuck in the beach. Their craft was destroyed. I asked Charles what he saw. Well, it was uh, a real mess. Beach was pretty well covered. Medics were working on the beach and trying to help the men that they could, and and they just uh, kept working at it. The sight must have been horrific. So much pain and misery and death. I asked Hillman Prestridge, I had heard stories about the color of the water with all of the dead and wounded lying in it. I just had to ask. I was asked one time, they tell me that the water was running red. I said, it's true. And there it was. The attack had been in planning for almost a year. The Allied forces had rehearsed their roles for months, and now they were there. They had landed. They had fought. They were there. They had done the seemingly impossible. They had taken Normandy Beach. But the price was oh so great. I'm Jerry Stewart. I'll be back with some final thoughts after these messages. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. Hello, I'm Jerry Stewart. As you listen to this special D-Day 75th anniversary program, this may be your first time to hear these stories. I've been producing these special tribute programs now for over 20 years, and it's been my honor to help the vets tell their stories. And that's what my wife Kelly and I are working to do, to tell the true stories of God and country going all the way back to our nation's beginning. 
to make sure that all know our nation's greatness is no accident. It's the result of God's leading and our following. Are you willing to help us keep this going? Please go now to jerrystewartusa.com to make a donation to our nonprofit organization, Saving the Nation, and you can read more about our ministry there. You can donate online at jerrystewartusa.com or you can call our office at 817-576-2976. Will you help us keep these stories of God and country going? God bless you. Take a break for coffee and truth from God's Word. Weekday mornings at 10, it's Bible Line with Dr. Ralph Yankee Arnold. The best thing that can happen to me is to drop dead. The only reason I know that I'm going to heaven, if it depends on the Lord, it's a sure thing. And at 10.30, Just Thinking with Ravi Zacharias. No other religious view could have framed the founding documents of this country outside of the Judeo-Christian worldview. Strength for your morning. Faith Talk, AM 570, AM 910, and FM 102. So you sit down and do your budget and you look at all your monthly costs and your bills and your income and it seems like there's never quite enough. You know what would really help. Finding $500 a month to help balance things out. That is the typical savings. $500 a month for a family when you switch to MediShare for your health care. And when it comes to health care sharing ministries, MediShare is really the gold standard. It's been around for 25 years and has more than 400,000 members. It's been around so long and grown so much because it works. And whether you're single or married or have kids, this could make sitting down to do a monthly budget a lot more fun. $500 a month can more than cover a car payment or payback loans, whatever. So join MediShare and go out to dinner to celebrate. Here's the number to call. They are incredibly kind and helpful to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. It's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. Hello and welcome back to this special D-Day presentation. I'm Jerry Stewart. It was June the 6th, 1984, when then U.S. President Ronald Reagan traveled to Normandy Beach in France to commemorate the 40-year anniversary of the D-Day invasion in 1944. In his speech that day, President Reagan said this, Today we're here to mark that day in history when the Allied armies joined in battle to reclaim this continent to liberty. For four long years, much of Europe had been under a terrible shadow. Free nations had fallen. Europe was enslaved, and the world prayed for its rescue. And here in Normandy, the rescue began. Here, the Allies stood and fought against tyranny and a giant undertaking unparalleled in human history. And this is what we heard today, a story so hard, so fantastic, that it is almost impossible to believe that such a difficult task would be taken on. But that is our veterans, those who have taken on the horrific jobs in history. The Holy Bible says this, 
Greater love hath no person than this, than to lay down their lives for another. And this is what our veterans have done for us. There are cemeteries all around the world where U.S. veterans are buried. They fought and died there for others. And it's not just the dying. Perhaps the dying is somehow easier than living with the horrors of war. Seeing their comrades go down, seeing the devastation, and then carrying those thoughts and pictures with them for the rest of their lives. And to these four men who told their stories today, U.S. Navy Seaman Charles Buster Schaefe, Hillman Prestridge, a member of the U.S. Army Amphibious Forces, Robert Curl of the U.S. Navy Amphibious Forces, and 101st Airborne Paratrooper Guy Whidden. But here's where the true character of these veterans really shows through. As I interviewed each of them, they talked about there being a job to do there at D-Day and doing it. There was no mention of awards, no one wanting special attention for their efforts, and all talked about the bravery and sacrifice of others. And today, we honor all our veterans. Today, this day, I thank God for our vets. Oh God, be with our veterans today. Be with their families and be with those serving today. And Lord, let them know how very proud we are of them. And Lord, for those today who are suffering, still suffering from the horrors of war, please, Lord, wrap them up in your loving arms. Hold them tight. Give them peace. We thank you, God, for giving us so many very special Americans we call veterans. I'm Jerry Stewart saying goodbye for now. Let us never stop fighting. Let us never stop believing. Let us never stop praying. May God bless our veterans. May God bless those serving today. May God bless America. Settle into the second half of the day with God's Word. Weekdays at 1 p.m., it's Fresh Wind Radio with Dr. Jomo Cousins. Every talent you have was God designed for something to be fulfilled in the earth through you. And at 1.30, Turning Point with David Jeremiah. He will not bring those who refuse to acknowledge their own sin and accept the penalty that Jesus paid for on the cross. Faith Talk, AM 570, AM 910, and FM 102.1. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem Media Group. for listening to the Bill Bunkley Show. I'm Bill Carl. A little special to the program today as uh, we welcome uh, Catherine Hoyt and Sandra Holder from Travel Cats and, of course, the show, Vacation Nation. 
uh, here on your Salem radio stations. Ladies, before we jump in, I just want to say, A, it's so great to sit with you. I don't get a chance to sit with you very often anymore like we We did in the beginning of the program. (laughs) Thanks for having us. This is fun. Secondly, we were having a conversation before we jumped on the air really about the impact that Travel Cats has had and you two ladies have had on the ministry uh, here at uh, Faith Talk. You know, you've been so faithful over the years to to be there with with great prizes uh, for our pastors, for our ladies events, uh, for our pastors, masters, and just kind of running that down. I know from our last pastors appreciation event, uh, that pastor is ready to cruise now. Yes. They're, they are going, they're leaving very shortly. And what's the, what's the, um, for, remind me, is it a seven day cruise? Remind it's me. It's a seven day cruise. They're doing uh, Western Caribbean mm-hmm. and they are really, really looking forward to it. That's just going to, listen. <laughs> I think they're all packed, ready to go. <laughs> here's what Travel Cats does really, really well. They can plan a trip for you and keep you from having to go to 10 websites to do it. Mm-hmm. You can just call them and say, I want to go here. Here's my budget. They're going to fix you up with an itinerary that's going to include all of the bells and whistles. They specialize in cruises. They specialize in all-inclusives. And really that experience maybe that you've been dreaming of for a long time. The website, by the way, is TravelCats.com. That's TravelKatz.com. And you can call them at 352-277-7300. Also, we just had our Pastors Masters in the springtime. Uh, you guys sponsored the hole-in-one contest. Yeah. Yes, we did. Uh, whoever won the hole-in-one went on a seven-day to Sandals. But boo-hoo, nobody got the hole-in-one. <laughs> maybe next year. Maybe that's a maybe that's a tribute to our hardworking <clears throat> pastors who don't have time to hone their golf skills. That's a possibility. That could be. That that's could a be possibility. It. Uh, let's talk a little bit about coming up this fall. We've got a number of events. Once again, you'll be... With us at our Pastors' Day event, which is October seventeenth, Philip DeCourcy is the keynote speaker, and again, we're always so glad to have you as part of that. It is something for us that is so special that we, yeah, you know, if you weren't here, I don't think we could we could you, give away that type of prize. Well, you need to make sure that the pastors they need to sign sign up. You need to sign up, pastors. Are we doing another <laughs> seven day give? Uh, cruise? Oh yes, we will be. <gasps> Absolutely. I'm going to up my ministerial license just so I can get my name in the hat. Well, Bill, you, I, I don't know if you really, really realize this has been going on now for five years. Oh, yeah. We've been we've been on the radio. This is our fourth year on the radio. Isn't that crazy how quickly that's gone? And our fifth year as being affiliated with Faith mm-hmm. Talk. I remember the very first time we sat down to tape a program, and you guys have been such a blessing, and we love to hear about all the great places and opportunities that you present uh, to our listeners for vacations that are really turnkey. Let's talk about what's going on this fall. You have a couple really neat things, particularly here on Faith Talk, that I think are of interest Mm -hmm. to our listeners. Uh, Locally, rather not locally, but within the United States, stateside, Mm -hmm. you have a great event coming up. Uh, Talk about the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. We are uh, planning a luxury motor coach Mm. trip from the Tampa Bay area to that uh, particular area in northern Kentucky, where we will visit the uh, Creation Museum, spend a night, and the next day go to the Ark Encounter. Mm -hmm. And we're looking for a lot of uh, happy people that want to travel with us. Yes, it is a motor coach. Yes, it is overnight. 
but it is all inclusive. Your your meals are included. Your entry to the Ark and the Creation Museum is in is included. Your overnight stay at the hotel is included. And there may be some surprises along the way because our itinerary is not in stone. So that means we could maybe go on a boat for dinner or we maybe go to the uh, Boone's uh, Historic uh, Hotel and have dinner in Berea. Oh, wow. That so sounds good. So those are a couple of options that we've yeah, When you say dinner open. on a boat, I'd imagine yeah. that'd be like a ferry boat. We're not taking the ark for a spin. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to take the ark for a spin. Welcome to the paddle, elephant room. A paddle boat. Oh, you'll be amazed at how big this is. It's to the specifications of Moses, what God gave for Noah. him yeah. to Moses. Noah. For Noah. So, Noah. I mean. Uh, no, sorry, not Moses. <laughs> they both got involved with water. Noah, it's easy. It's Noah. an easy mistake. Uh, you know, oh, the thing is, and I, I think for so many, oh, just let's, let's move along. <laughs> you know, the thing that's so cool about this is as we were children, we all heard stories about the ark. Yeah. We saw pictures of it. Mm-hmm. But to be able to go and say, this is what it looked like. This is how big it was. And to mm-hmm. see that in scale for people, I think is so affirming of a, of a faith that they already had. Now, you know, my, my pastor just returned recently from a trip to the Ark. And I, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but in the beginning, he was a tad bit skeptical. Mm-hmm. He came back totally awed. That's awesome. If you want to find out more about that trip, you can go to TravelCats.com. Better yet, call 352-277-7300. 352-277-7300 and talk to my friends Sandra and Catherine from Travel Cats again travelkatz.com and then finally I can't believe our time is always way too short big trip to the western caribbean in November and it's a trip if you're a person of faith in Christ and you want to make a difference you want to do well and do good have fun and have ministry this is your opportunity Yes, uh, one of our associates uh, in the Tribal Cats office, uh, Susan, has put together this trip. It's a cruise to the Western Caribbean, as you said, and uh, she's incorporating a mission trip into it. Uh, We're going to go visit some schools in Honduras. Okay. And on a cruise, you can take luggage with you. It's not like you have to be restricted on the airplane. On the cruise, you can take luggage. We're aiming to fill a separate suitcase for everybody who goes. With school supplies. Oh, wow. So you'll take your, your okay. clothing in one suitcase and school supplies in another and deliver it to the schools when we get to Honduras. It, it's going to be amazing. So, you you know, I think sometimes people go on a vacation and they come back and they almost feel like, man, I just overindulged. I just, this is all about me. Yeah. To be able to enjoy some me time, but to keep some time focused on the Lord and on his his people is such a great opportunity. If you'd like to take advantage of that Western Caribbean cruise and missions trip, uh, again, call Travel Cats, travelkatz.com. That's travelkatz.com. You can also call 352 277 7300. 352 277 7300. I'm Bill Carl. Ladies, I just, it's sad that the time goes as quickly. One word before we head out the door. Vacation Nation Radio, Saturday mornings at 7 o'clock and again at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. We talk all about travel tips and state festivals. Never catch that one sleeping or that one either. <laughs> Catherine Hoyt and Sandra Holder from Travel okay. Cats. <laughs> TravelKATZ.com.
WTBN, Pinellas Park. Christ demands first place. There's no room on the throne of your heart for two gods. This is the Bill Bunkley Show on Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Our rights come from nature and God and not from government. History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Phone lines are open in Hillsboro, 813-287-5700 or toll free, 1-877-943-9673. As for me and my house, we've already made a decision. We are going to serve the Lord. And that's a decision that every single person here tonight has to make. You either have to decide that you're going to serve the gods of materialism all around or the true and the living God. And now, the president of the Florida Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission. Here's Bill Bunkley. I have also to announce to the House that during the night and the early hours of this morning, the first of the series of landings in force upon the European continent has taken place. In this case, the liberating assault fell upon the coast of France. An immense armada of upwards of 4,000 ships, together with several thousand smaller craft, crossed the channel. Massed airborne landings have also been successfully effected behind the enemy lines, and landings on the beaches are proceeding at various points at the present time. The fire of the shore batteries has largely been quelled. The obstacles that were constructed in the sea have not proved so difficult as was apprehended. The Anglo-American allies are sustained by about 11,000 first-line aircraft, which can be drawn upon as may be needed for the purposes of the battle. I cannot, of course, commit myself to any particular details. Reports are coming in in rapid succession. Good afternoon, Bill Bunkley here, the Bill Bunkley Show, on this 75th day anniversary of the D-Day invasion, Operation Neptune, Operation Overlord. You've just been listening to the words of Sir Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom during the Second World War. You've been listening to his address to the House, to the Parliament, on the day, the afternoon of June the 6th, as he was giving a report to members of his legislative body that the invasion of Normandy, of Europe, of France, was indeed underway and giving the first report to the members of that august body. We are honored to have you with us this afternoon as we have been contemplating, thinking about all of the various aspects that surround this very important day. 75 years from what is uh, probably uh, unequivocally the largest uh, invasion by certainly the Allied forces possibly in history. And today we've got a lot to share with you because we're going to take you back in history. My colleague Jerry Stewart, who has been in Bedford, Virginia, at the official memorial for the D-Day memorial, 
shared during our first hour some important quotes that uh, came from his interviews through the years with those who were members of that invasion force. He also had some short excerpts from some of the most uh, important prayers and national pronouncements of the day. Well, you know, uh, from time to time, I'm not a big fan of sound bites. I am a big fan of history. I'm a larger fan of history that uh, is not revisionist history. One of the best ways that we can ensure that we understand uh, just what was going on in all the various aspects of evaluation is the modern history. We have audio recordings, and so today uh, we're going to be sharing some of those audio recordings. We're going to be sharing another clip from Sir Winston Churchill that really was from a few years earlier than 1944, the 6th of June, which was the invasion of Normandy. Now, as you see, Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler, had begun its uh, move and its sweep across Europe years before the United States uh, took part in the Normandy invasion. And you're going to hear the famous excerpts from Sir Winston Churchill about the fact that uh, the Brits were going to be fighting on the beaches. And I won't go any further because we're going to be sharing that in just a moment. We also are going to have an opportunity after that to hear from our own President Donald Trump. Earlier today, he gathered with world leaders and others and not only had a chance to share his 75th anniversary day speech. At that time, there were various uh, demonstrations of what occurred that day many, many years ago, including original transport planes with those who had actually been a part of the D-Day invasion. Now, yesterday we know those planes were used uh, symbolically Uh, to come in, not necessarily at nightfall, as uh, they were prescribed to do. But um, it was a very moving, moving day in Normandy today. And we're going to hear some excerpts from our president in just a moment. And also realize that uh, a speech that I think is also so important, it's uh, it's one we're going to play in its entirety, but we're also going to be hearing from former President Ronald Reagan. Back in 1984, he stood in the same hollowed ground as Donald Trump did today, and he delivered the 40th year anniversary memorial speech. We're going to hear that in its entirety because it is a classic, and uh, want to be able to appreciate that. We're also going to be hearing from uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You've heard excerpts of that. We uh, played an excerpt of that yesterday that Donald Trump had shared on the English side of the channel in yesterday's uh, festivities for the 75th year commemoration. Well, he did not read the entire text. And what we're going to do is we're going to let you take a trip back 75 years. Because you're going to hear the night that Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation. You're going to be hearing him pronounce to the American people for the first time because it was a secret that we were, in fact, involved with this huge Allied invasion 
uh, on the shores of Normandy. And we're going to let you hear that as well because uh, it's important to put things in context. And each time I, I'm going to remind you to sort of set your mind back to that place in that time and imagine if you were hearing from uh, these leaders for the first time. Now, what I want to do is, before we take our first break, I want to take us back in time. This is a, a short excerpt from a speech from Sir Winston Churchill speaking to his country. Speaking to his country, uh, I think around 1940, 1941, about the times that were ahead. And remember that before the United States got involved as an ally, we were trying to stay out of the conflict. There were people here in the country. The politics was such that we did not want to get into another war. We had just been involved with a war in the same territory in World War One, But uh, this was a leader of a country trying to... Um, just give his country the type of strength and stamina as a leader. And so let's go ahead and listen in to the infamous speech by Sir Winston Churchill, encouraging his people that they will fight on the beaches, they will fight in various places. Let's listen in. When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year with his flat bottom boats and his grand army, he was told by someone, There are bitter weeds in England. There are certainly a great many more of them since the British Expeditionary Force returned. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary, for years, if necessary, alone. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of His Majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation, the British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields. And in the streets, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it was subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Well, that was Sir Winston Churchill. And if you listen very carefully at at least two times during that uh, uh, short excerpt, you heard him talking about fighting alone. 
and heard him talking about others joining them in the righteous, the right fight. And, of course, beckoning God uh, for God's uh, holy help as well. Well, that was uh, a speech that uh, also was one of those that uh, is just always remembered. Now, when we come back, 75 years later, what we're going to do is we're going to hear from President Trump before we take a step back to hear in its entirety uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's speech the night of June the 6th where he let the American people know about the big invasion. More of the Bill Bunkley Show coming up in a moment. My special tribute to this 75th anniversary of D-Day. Don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to hiring an AC technician, plumber, or electrician, it's a challenge to find one you can trust completely. Until now, at Cornerstone Pros, the commitment to workmanship and service surpasses customer standards. It's called the Cornerstone Difference. And big job or small, it means you can count on them to go out of their way to deliver exceptional customer service and value. Cornerstone Pro services include air conditioners, plumbing, electrical, and generators. Connect at cornerstonepros.com. That's cornerstonepros.com. You're a do-it-yourselfer. You fix things around the house, take care of the yard, wash your car, and run your own business. But wow, when it comes to digital marketing and advertising, things aren't so do-it-yourself. Salem Surround can help. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more at surroundtampa.com. Surroundtampa.com. Connecting you with new customers. Have you ever doubted God's love or questioned whether you're truly saved? Hi, I'm Andrew Farley, author of Twisted Scripture, untangling 45 lies Christians have been told. Visit this station's website to download my free guide to your new identity in Christ. Then enter for a chance to win a VIP trip to Dallas this fall. Download your free guide and enter to win a trip to Dallas at letstalkfaith.com. Let's talk faith.com. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. <laughs> I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50. One over 40. One more if you're not physically active. Another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes. Another if you've got high blood pressure. If you're overweight, raise another finger. Two if you're very overweight. And three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio prediabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Amen. Yes, indeed, he lives, and I want to tell you that many, many men 
on that night and morning, the night of uh, June the 5th, the morning of June the 6th, 1944, there on the beaches of uh, the U.K., departing for the overnight travel to the beaches of Normandy. You can believe there was a lot of praying and a lot of uh, heartfelt letters that were written to those back home. Well, today, our President Donald Trump, on the 75th anniversary there at Omaha Beach of the D-Day invasion, shared his comments. A little bit later on our program, we'll take you back to 1984 to hear from President Ronald Reagan, as well as, you'll hear in its entirety, the FDR D-Day speech on June the 6th. But first, let's go to Normandy. President Trump talking about today we remember those who fell. President Macron, Mrs. Macron, and the people of France, to the First Lady of the United States, and members of the United States Congress. To distinguished guests, veterans, and my fellow Americans, we are gathered here on Freedom's Altar, on these shores, on these bluffs, on this day 75 years ago. 10,000 men shed their blood and thousands sacrificed their lives for their brothers, for their countries, and for the survival of liberty. Today we remember those who fell and we honor all who fought right here in Normandy. They won back this ground for civilization to more than 170 veterans of the Second World War who join us today. You are among the very greatest Americans who will ever live. You are the pride of our nation. You are the glory of our republic. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. President Trump talked about these very brave men who ran through the fires of hell. And at this point, I, I want to remind you that it's hard to conceive about the first wave of those men who were in the landing craft. I'm talking about the very first wave at low tide, sitting ducks for the Germans that were on top of the bluff behind the concrete walls. And and hear me, I take nothing away from any of those who landed on the shores of Normandy. Because even those that were in later waves after the German machine guns had been taken out and a horrific price was paid on the beach, they would all would later, who survived, would later go on to a fight across France and Germany. But I just got to tell you that remembering the first wave and you've seen the pictures of those landing crafts that get to the shore they drop the front it's wide open and by the way the um, the length uh, or the distance that the machine guns could reach was well past the uh, the waves breaking upon the beach well the president recognized the fact that these men ran through the fires of hell let's listen in to all of our friends and partners 
Our cherished alliance was forged in the heat of battle, tested in the trials of war, and proven in the blessings of peace. Our bond is unbreakable. From across the earth, Americans are drawn to this place as though it were a part of our very soul. We come not only because of what they did here, we come because of who they were. They were young men with their entire lives before them. They were husbands who said goodbye to their young brides and took their duty as their fate. They were fathers who would never meet their infant sons and daughters because they had a job to do. And with God as their witness, they were going to get it done. They came wave after wave without question, without hesitation, and without complaint. More powerful than the strength of American arms was the strength of American hearts. These men ran through the fires of hell, moved by a force no weapon could destroy. The fierce patriotism of a free, proud, and sovereign people. They battled not for control and domination, but for liberty, democracy, and self-rule. They pressed on for love and home and country, the main streets, the schoolyards, the churches, and neighbors, the families, and communities that gave us men such as these. They were sustained by the confidence that America can do anything because we are a noble nation with a virtuous people praying to a righteous God. The exceptional might came from a truly exceptional spirit. The abundance of courage came from an abundance of faith. The great deeds of an army came from the great depths of their love. As they confronted their fate, the Americans of the Allies placed themselves into the palm of God's hand. The men behind me will tell you that they are just the lucky ones. As one of them recently put it, all the heroes are buried here. But we know what these men did. We knew how brave they were. They came here and saved freedom. And then they went home and showed us all what freedom is all about. The American sons and daughters who saw us to victory were no less extraordinary in peace. They built families, they built industries, they built 
a national culture that inspired the entire world in the decades that followed. America defeated communism, secured civil rights, revolutionized science, launched a man to the moon, and then kept on pushing to new frontiers. And today, America is stronger than ever before. And of course, that is our President Donald Trump sharing earlier today. And he also has some comments about uh, the truth that our debt to those who gave their lives was not just uh, for that act on June the 6th, 1944. It is eternal and everlasting in nature. Going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from FDR, his speech to America on the night of June the 6th, and also from our former president, Ronald Reagan, and that famous uh, 1984 speech about the 20th anniversary. I'm Bill Bunkley. Don't go away. We'll be right back. W262CP, Bayonet Point. With SRN News, I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. President Trump and world leaders gathered on the coast of France to mark the Allied D-Day invasion, which took place 75 years ago today. In a speech, the president told aging World War II veterans, our debt to you is everything. West Point officials say the military training vehicle that overturned in upstate New York this morning was being driven by a soldier on rough terrain. One cadet was killed, 19 others were injured. The chairman of the tax-writing House Ways and Means Committee says he will move to block President Trump if he follows through on a threat to impose tariffs on Mexican imports starting Monday. The president says he's threatening those tariffs in order to stem the flood of Central American migrants at the southern U.S. border. On Wall Street, the Dow Industrials were up 181 points at the closing bell. This is SRN News. Hi, I'm Andrew Farley, author of Twisted Scripture, Untangling 45 Lies Christians Have Been Told. I'll be sending one lucky winner and a companion to Dallas, Texas, for the Twisted Scripture Conference this November. Enter on this station's website and download my free guide to your identity in Christ. Hope to see you in Dallas. Enter the Twisted Scripture Getaway Giveaway today at letstalkfaith.com. Letstalkfaith.com. This is Owen Strand for townhall.com. It was bloody. It was awful. It was an operation of stupendous courage and shocking sacrifice. 75 years ago in Normandy, Operation Neptune, better known as D-Day, commenced. The Allied troops stormed the French beaches in order to overcome Nazi tyranny. The fighting was ferocious, with 4,000 confirmed dead on the Allied side on that one day alone. The tone of the conflict had been set long before by British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. In an age of capitulation, Churchill dared to defy Nazi tyranny. He rallied England to defend the homeland and later rejoiced when America joined the campaign in 1941. Churchill is famous for his leadership in World War II and justly so, but he's only the best known of the heroes of this era. Countless forgotten soldiers fought, bled, and died for the cause of freedom. On the anniversary of D-Day, we remember their heroism and hear them call us to the same. I'm Owen Strand.
The Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program. Apply by June 15th at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Chances are there'll never be an emergency ever again. But just in case, let's talk about a plan. Okay. Who is going to grab the go bag? What's a go bag? It is a bag we do not have that is filled with things we really, really need in an emergency. Guess we won't have to worry about it then. Well, this is great. (laughs) I am so glad that we don't have a plan. I know. Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov slash kids for tips and information. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. Hey, we're back. Talk about courageous. Boy, I tell you what, those boys and girls of... The time of June the 6th, 1944, they're the ones that were created, born to be created. I mean, courageous, excuse me. Courage is what it was all about. Well, I want to tell you that on the night of June the 4th, when communication around America in 1944 was basically sitting around the radio uh, after the sun sets and uh, getting your news, well, it was on that night an unsuspecting nation knew that uh, because of the attack of Pearl Harbor that we were going to be fighting a battle uh, in in two different locations of the globe, Europe and in the Pacific against Imperial Japan. So the nation was told that the president was going to have an address for them that evening. This is the FDR speech of the evening of June the 6th, including his prayers for America, And we want you to be able to listen to this in its entirety, so here it is. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces, Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest 
until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day and again when each day is spent let words of prayer be on our lips invoking thy help to our efforts give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events of temporal matters of but fleeting moment. Let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing, we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country. 
and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. Incredible, isn't it? What would happen today with the atheists, the radical left? What would happen if a president voiced that same prayer today, 75 years later? What would happen if it was, quite frankly, another Democrat president? I suggest that for your sons, your daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, keep this recording in your mind. Because this is non-revisionist history. This is America 75 years ago. And now we're going to fast forward 40 years from June 6, 1944 to 1984. And we're going to be hearing the famous speech by President Ronald Reagan on the shores of Normandy. Unfortunately, the last minute or so, we're not going to be able to get to you because time is short. But let's get right to Ronald Reagan's speech. Very inspiring indeed. We're here to mark that day in history when the Allied armies joined in battle to reclaim this continent to liberty. For four long years, much of Europe had been under a terrible shadow. Free nations had fallen. Jews cried out in the camps. Millions cried out for liberation. Europe was enslaved and the world prayed for its rescue. Here in Normandy, the rescue began. Here, the Allies stood and fought against tyranny in a giant undertaking unparalleled in human history. We stand on a lonely, windswept point on the northern shore of France. The air is soft, but 40 years ago at this moment, the air was dense with smoke and the cries of men, and the air was filled with the crack of rifle fire and the roar of cannon. At dawn on the morning of the 6th of June, 1944, 225 rangers jumped off the British landing craft and ran to the bottom of these cliffs. Their mission was one of the most difficult and daring of the invasion, to climb these sheer and desolate cliffs and take out the enemy guns. The Allies had been told that some of the mightiest of these guns were here, and they would be trained on the beaches to stop the Allied advance. The rangers looked up and saw the enemy soldiers at the edge of the cliffs shooting down at them with machine guns and throwing grenades, and the American rangers began to climb. They shot rope ladders over the face of these cliffs and began to pull themselves up. When one ranger fell, another would take his place. When one rope was cut, a ranger would grab another and begin his climb again. They climbed, shot back, and held their footing. Soon, one by one, The rangers pulled themselves over the top, and in seizing the firm land at the top of these cliffs, they began to seize back the continent of Europe. 225 came here. After two days of fighting, only 90 could still bear arms. Behind me is a memorial 
that symbolizes the range of daggers that were thrust into the top of these cliffs. And before me are the men who put them there. These are the boys of Puente Hope. These are the men who took the cliffs. These are the champions who helped free a continent. And these are the heroes who helped end a war. Gentlemen, I look at you and I think of the words of Stephen Spender's poem. You were men who in your, quote, lives fought for life and lift, left the vivid air signed with your honor. I think I know what you may be thinking right now, thinking we were just part of a bigger effort. Everyone was brave that day. Well, everyone was. You remember the story of Bill Millen of the 51st Highlanders? Forty years ago today, British troops were pinned down near a bridge waiting desperately for help. Suddenly they heard the sound of bagpipes, and some thought they were dreaming. Well, they weren't. They looked up and saw Bill Millen with his bagpipes leading the reinforcements and ignoring the smack of the bullets into the ground around him. Lord Lovett was with him, Lord Lovett of Scotland, who calmly announced when he got to the bridge, Sorry, I'm a few minutes late, as if he'd been delayed by a traffic jam, when in truth he'd just come from the bloody fighting on Sword Beach, which he and his men had just taken. There was the impossible valor of the Poles, who threw themselves between the enemy and the rest of Europe as the invasion took hold, and the unsurpassed courage of the Canadians who had already seen the horrors of war on this coast. They knew what awaited them there, but they would not be deterred. And once they hit Juneau Beach, they never looked back. All of these men were part of a roll call of honor with names that spoke of a pride as bright as the colors they bore. The Royal Winnipeg Rifles, Poland's 24th Lancers, the Royal Scots Fusiliers, the Screaming Eagles, the Yeomen of England's Armored Divisions, the Forces of Free France, the Coast Guard's Matchbox Fleet, and you, the American Rangers. Forty summers have passed since the battle that you fought here. You were young the day you took these cliffs. Some of you were hardly more than boys with the deepest joys of life before you. Yet you risked everything here. Why? Why did you do it? Well, what impelled you to put aside the instinct for self-preservation and risk your lives to take these cliffs? What inspired all the men of the armies that met here? We look at you and somehow we know the answer. It was faith and belief. It was loyalty and love. The men of Normandy had faith that what they were doing was right, faith that they fought for all humanity, faith that a just God would grant them mercy on this beachhead or on the next. It was the deep knowledge, and pray God we have not lost it, that there is a profound moral difference between the use of force for liberation and the use of force for conquest. You were here to liberate, not to conquer, and so you and those others did not doubt your cause, and you were right not to doubt. You all knew that some things are worth dying for. One's country is worth dying for, 
And democracy is worth dying for because it's the most deeply honorable form of government ever devised by man. All of you loved liberty. All of you were willing to fight tyranny. And you knew the people of your countries were behind you. The Americans who fought here that morning knew word of the invasion was spreading through the darkness back home. They fought or felt in their hearts, though they couldn't know in fact, that in Georgia they were filling the churches at 4 a.m. In Kansas they were kneeling on their porches and praying. And in Philadelphia they were ringing the Liberty Bell. Something else helped the men of D-Day. Their rock-hard belief that Providence would have a great hand in the events that would unfold here, that God was an ally in this great cause. And so the night before the invasion, when Colonel Wolverton asked his parachute troops to kneel with him in prayer, he told them, do not bow your heads, but look up so you can see God and ask his blessing in what we are about to do. Also that night, General Matthew Ridgway on his cot, listening in the darkness for the promise God made to Joshua, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. These are the things that impelled them. These are the things that shaped the unity of the Allies. When the war was over, there were lives to be rebuilt and governments to be returned to the people. There were nations to be reborn. Above all, there was a new peace to be assured. These were huge and daunting tasks, but the Allies summoned strength from the faith, belief, loyalty, and love of those who fell here. They rebuilt a new Europe together. There was first a great reconciliation among those who had been enemies, all of whom had suffered so greatly. The United States did its part, creating the Marshall Plan to help rebuild our allies and our former enemies. The Marshall Plan led to the Atlantic Alliance, a great alliance that serves to this day as our shield for freedom, for prosperity, and for peace. In spite of our great efforts and successes, not all that followed the end of the war was happier planned. Some liberated countries were lost. The great sadness of this loss echoes down to our own time in the streets of Warsaw, Prague, and East Berlin. Soviet troops that came to the center of this continent did not leave when peace came. They're still there, uninvited, unwanted, unyielding, almost 40 years after the war. Because of this, Allied forces still stand on this continent. Today, as 40 years ago, our armies are here for only one purpose, to protect and defend democracy. The only territories we hold are memorials like this one and graveyards where our heroes rest. We in America have learned bitter lessons from two world wars. It is better to be here ready to protect the peace than to take blind shelter across the sea, rushing to respond only after freedom is lost. We've learned that isolationism never was and never will be an acceptable response to tyrannical governments with an expansionist intent. That uh, is uh, President Ronald Reagan on the 40th anniversary. Unfortunately, the last uh, minute or so, we had to um, 
lay down for us to be able to get out on our hard break. But I want to tell you, I am I am honored to be a future member of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but I'm proud to be an American. We hope that you have enjoyed our special tribute to this 75th anniversary of D-Day. Coming up in a moment, my pastor, Dr. Ken Witten, on today's edition of Living Truth, Framing the Values of Your Team, Part 1. That's coming up next with Dr. Ken Witten. I'm Bill Bunkley. Hope you've enjoyed this special tribute. We'll see you tomorrow at 4. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.